podcast is part of the Podcast Your Scene Network. Visit us at www.podcastyourscene.com. Hi, I'm Candy. Of course you are. has an agenda that they're going to serve. I don't know who's in charge of it or what it is, if it's like a headless monster. Why? This is a question. Walking backwards. Walking backwards. <laughs> Something sacred. I don't know the names of the creep songs. Those Running in circles. Just pop in and let play. Sea of glass. The flight and the fall. I love Ozzy. <laughs> I think he's the true definition of a rock star. Anybody else have any interesting stories they don't want to come to tell? Hey, this is John Lane from the Thrive Tropics of Leechburg, Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania Rock Show, featuring the best inside rock that Pennsylvania has to offer. Circling again, it's like it's flying in a cage. 
Hey, it's Bill. You're tuned to the Pennsylvania Rock Show, featuring the best unsigned rock and metal the Pennsylvania has to offer right here on parockshow.com, megarockradio.net, 107.1 FM, St. Louis, Missouri, XRP Radio, which coincidentally I will be taking over tomorrow, xrpsradio.co.uk in Birmingham, United Kingdom. I'll be taking that over with Jonna from First Angel Media. We're going to be playing some music from Western Pennsylvania, and we're going to put up against some poppy stuff that they play in the UK, and uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, also, altrockradio.ca in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. On the beaches of San Diego, we have Rudaroo Radio. It's rudaroo.radio.com. And right here in the thriving metropolis of Leechburg, Pennsylvania, with our two red lights, buildthescene.com. My name is Bill. This is the Pennsylvania Rock Show, episode number 565. And with me tonight is Brian Genovese. What's up, Brian? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing okay. Once I remember to call call it others. So first of all, I, I do want to I want to start off with um, the SOS PGH concert series, um, being a sponsor and involved in it from about midway. Um, once the song was written, um, I'm curious what what brought you in. Like when when you were approached, what about it made you say yes? I'm going to do that. Oh, it's just, it's a, it was a great idea. It was a great cause, you know, it was desperately needed. You know, everything was really bad. We, 2020 was really tough on all musicians and sound guys, lighting crews, everybody in the music industry. So when I first saw it come up, I was, honestly, I was hoping someone would ask me to be a part of it. And then I, I got the call for season two for the songwriter part of it. Yeah, it was I, I, as you noticed from my intro, I'm kind of a rock and metal guy. And coming into this season, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this one. And I thought it was every bit as good, if not better than the first season. Um, every, I, I told someone I was watching jazz night while watching the penguins. And it was the calmest I've ever been during a penguin game. <laughs> but I really, I, I really enjoyed all four, all four nights this season. Um, it was also season um, week four metal night is yeah. the first show that I've been to in person since February of 2020. So that was a big deal for me. Um, when scale started playing, I teared up. <laughs> well, that was my first, I mean, I know there was, you know, just the bands were only the ones allowed in, but that was my first time inside on a stage, you know, with sound system and lights and everything over a year. Uh, I, my last show I went to, um, I, I was there kind of, I don't want to say on accident, <laughs> but the, the story went, it was, um, Frank Vieira, who's a local country act. This band is very, very tight. Um, I w wasn't real excited that I was going to, to a country show. And then once I was there, I'm like, these, these guys are great. Anytime <laughs> good musicians, man, it doesn't matter what kind of music they're playing. But the, the reason I ended up there, um, he had booked John from first angel media to come in and do a photo shoot that night. And, um, she got food poisoning and all of the other photographers that usually go out were out at other shows. And um, I had been doing photography for years, but I've never went out and done an actual show to be paid. So that was my first ever freelance show. And there for a while, I thought it might be my last. <laughs> Add it to the resume. <laughs> but I got really excited after I left. I was like, that was so much fun. And then a month later, everything shut down. And I was like, but I wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the same thing. My, uh, I released my CD at the end of January, 2020 at the release party played again. And I guess it was February. I had a show and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Everything canceled. I had like 30 shows that got canceled in 2020. Well, that's you're. I don't want to say new, but relatively new in the scene. It's like three years you've been playing. If I remember correctly. Well, yeah, by myself. Yeah, three years by myself. Um, so you were in a 
in a band before that? Oh, yeah. I've been playing in bands since I was 12 years old. All right. So then you've been all over the scene then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a long time, man. Most of my life. Um, what were some of the bands you were in? Let's see if I've heard of any of them. Uh, I'm sure you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in a band called Aftermath. That was the first band I was in with the. I was by far the youngest person in the band, and we had trouble getting gigs because of my age. <laughs> <laughs> I sat many a shows beforehand, sitting with the bouncer, <laughs> waiting. <laughs> but uh, I was in the One Eyed Daddies. That was probably the most successful, longest band that lasted for a good twelve years, and then just little bands that never really even you know we'd be together for a while, and then they just split up, and that was why I just got frustrated with trying to deal with bands and. Just started doing it on my own and actually have more fun and more success with it now than I ever did. Now, were you writing when you were in those bands? Oh, always. Like, that's my favorite part of music is writing it. You know, uh, I love performing it, too. I love getting that energy from the crowd and, you know, putting it out there. But there's a lot of work and nervousness and everything that goes in with it but you know without a doubt my favorite part of music is writing it now let, let's talk about the writing process a little bit how how does a, a brian genovese song get started and work its way onto an album well uh it's really hard to describe they just come you know like i <laughs> I, I i constantly write i always have journals with me or you know like my memos app and my phone is completely full uh, you know anytime anything comes to me i write it down i keep it and i play my guitar every single day for as long as i possibly can i do the same thing i record every groove that i come up with and they kind of develop and a groove will have a certain feel to me whether you know anger sadness happiness whatever and then i look back through some ideas in my words and they kind of connect and it's like these words sound right with this. And then I, I take it from there and something that it really takes me on. I'm always writing. So I always have something in progress, but it really takes me a long time to get to the end of a song and be like, that's it. You know, that's how it's going to go. Um, so I, do, I, I do have tons of music, you know, like it just, it's just a matter of putting it together in the right way. So, so I promised you that the first half of this was going to be off the wall. And then I gave you normal questions to start. <laughs> yeah. All, right. All right. So if you were standing at the crossroads waiting for the devil to arrive, why are you there? What are you going to ask him for? You know, what, what is worth selling your soul for? Honestly, nothing. I wouldn't be there in the first place. Music is about my soul, you know, so not only because of my religious beliefs would I not be there, but uh, I mean, my music is my music. It's me. It's part of me. Probably the most honest part of me. I want to keep that clean. Um, Let's stick with the the movie theme for a little bit. Um, you're sitting on a bench, kind of like the scene in Forrest Gump, where he's sitting with the box of chocolates. <laughs> hey, Forrest Gump. <laughs> you know, and he sits there and he's talking that woman's ear off. Um, if you were sitting there with a musical um, muse, someone that you would, you know, that you really look up to as a musician, what would you be talking to them about? Like, what would you ask them while you're sitting on that bench? Oh, wow. That is off the wall. First of all, it would probably be like Jimi Hendrix or Frank Zappa. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, I guess I would want to know where he just got his, his inspiration. Like, what drove him? I mean, he's the most soulful player out there. You know, like, really feel what he's playing. Something I've always loved. And Zappa's just such a great songwriter, orchestrator kind of guy I would I my brain doesn't work on that kind of level I guess that's what I know how he does it what he thinks of doing it <laughs> all right 
So still along that theme, if you could go back in time without breaking the space-time continuum, of course not. Because we don't want Doc Brown yelling at us. <laughs> we don't. Um, <laughs> and you could follow around any band or artist for a year just to take in the essence of what made them who they are and bring it to the stage once you come back to your current time. Who would you follow around? Oh, man. I would, without a doubt, say Frank Turner. I know he's uh, underrated, not very well-known musician, but that guy plays, I forget, I think he's on, like, show almost 3,000 or something like that. He numbers his shows. The guy just plays constantly on the road everywhere. He's from the UK, so he's, you know, all over the world, not the country. A great musician. His shows are so fun that that would be a show I could watch every night. Um, yesterday, I recorded an episode. I was a, a um, guest on another podcast. Um, it's uh, the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus, um, who were very familiar with you when I mentioned them. <laughs> um, and they were comparing Elvis Costello and Joe Jackson. And you know, I'm I know quite a bit about the rock and metal local scene because that's what I listen to now. I mean, I've been doing this for 16 years, so I didn't have a lot to say in the comparison. And um, they asked me about um, what what I had to say about Elvis Costello, and I was like, "Look, a lot of times I wonder what goes into them coming up with their stage names." And um, he has like. Once I saw his real name, I knew what went into that. <laughs> what is his real name? It's like, um, it's Declan something. I can't remember the second word. There's, it's four names. It's Declan something Aloysius McManus. <laughs> so if you had to pick a stage name, what would your stage name be? Oh man, <laughs> it would just be Brian. Jennifer. I don't know. <laughs> it would be too weird to pick a, a fake name. <laughs> I sometimes tell my students that my name is no longer Mister Damiano, and they have to figure out what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not answering you until you figure it out. Let's say, and this isn't a long stretch by any means. Let's say there's an apocalyptic event. And only a handful of humans survive, and they have to repopulate the earth. And along with them, only one of every band or artist's songs survives. Which one of your songs should survive and take part in repopulating the earth? It's one of my newer songs. It's called The Moment. Hey, why that one? Um... It's one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. I really like the the message of it, which is just to appreciate right now, you know, exactly where you are in your life, whether it's good or bad. Just this, this is the only important part. You know, the future isn't promised. Tomorrow isn't promised. You don't know. I mean, best it's a maybe. The past is gone. It's not coming back no matter what you want. So, so live for now. Yeah. So I think that'd be appropriate. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you could play with any band in the history of the world at any location, who would you want to play at and where would you want to play? And when I say any location, the first band I ever asked this question, they said Stonehenge to give you an idea of where we are. <laughs> was it with Pink Floyd? No, it was with Dio. Oh. <laughs> um. Again, I'd have to say Frank Turner just because the shows are so fun. And I've watched his concert at the, the Reading Festival with, you know, 300,000 people. That would be my choice. That's a lot of people to stand up in front yeah. of. <laughs> but really, I mean, I don't know that it matters to me how many people are, are there. You know, I don't know that my nerve level gets any higher based on the number of, in the crowd. I am. So tell me about an embarrassing moment and it could be when you were a solo act or in a band that happened while you were on stage. 
All right. Well, probably the most embarrassing. It's actually the first time on stage with this band, band called Laidback Manor. And we played at the Electric Banana. And we had a drummer that was not very good. <laughs> and we were doing uh, Manic Depression. Which is, the whole song's in three. But he was the drummer and he wanted to start every song. But he would always four count the song instead of, you know, one, two, three, da, 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 he would hit one, two, three, and he would go to four, but everybody else. In the so starting on three. <laughs> when it's supposed to go. And we were like, we practiced the song a million times and it happened 60% of the time. <laughs> we were right before, right before we played the song, it was like, all right, let's do this right. It's a three count. One, two, three, one, two, three. And bang, he starts at one, two, three, four. We start on three, and it just falls apart instantly from the very first, the very first show. And the uh, the bass player was like, "All right," and put his hands up and put him right through the drop ceiling. Whoops! <laughs> so that was probably the worst start to any show I've ever had. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> and it kind of just puts you in this spot when you're and then you had a whole set to play now. <laughs> <laughs> you, hope, you hope it only goes uphill from there. I mean, I couldn't go much further down. <laughs> All right, so this is an ongoing question. Who is your Dave Grohl? In other words, who would you want to go up on stage with and play one of their songs with them in front of 300,000 people? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I like Frank Turner, but I would, I would probably say Pink Floyd for that. Which song? Comfortably Numb. Playing guitar or singing? Singing. I, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm no Gilmore. <laughs> um, it's my favorite blow on the face of the planet. Like I could, I listened to that thing a million times. Uh, just a great song. What's a song that you didn't write that you wish you had written? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> oh. Man, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. <laughs> there's so many songs I love that I listen to almost on a loop. You know, I, I have all these songs on my phone. And a lot of them are, you know, like I said, uh, Frank Turner is recently one of my favorite new artists, but. I, I love all music from rap and old country, and yeah, that's hard to say. I say, time. Uh, why can't I write like this, man? Why can't I sing like that? <laughs> all right, so what we're gonna do now is tonight we're gonna feature the song "To Whom It May Concern." Tell me a story about that song. When I wrote that whole album, the, the album is actually called "To Whom It May Concern." I was in a dark spot in my life, you know, I made some mistakes that I was trying to own up to. And it's basically where that song came from. You know, I was really down on myself and it just kind of came out. So it's a personal song. It's a very true song. I try to keep everything in my music is like, I've explained it. I'm, I'm as true as I can possibly be and honest in my music, but I don't ever really like to explain the full capacity of it. You know, like I keep that for myself. And, and I also think music should be open to interpretation because those are the songs that mean the most to you. You know, like you hear a song and you can completely relate to it. That's a song that you hold and might not necessarily, you, the, whoever wrote the song might not necessarily have written it in the capacity that you're taking it, you know? So I think over explaining a song is not why like any good it doesn't do any good so, but that that's is it's just me coming clean and being honest with myself about myself okay so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna go ahead and listen to whom it may concern by brian yeah try that again by brian genovese um we're also going to listen to um heart sick in the basement by steve hawk and we'll be right back with brian
To Whom It May Concern by Brian Genovese, who is hanging out with me tonight. And then right after that, you heard Steve Hawk's song, Heart Sick in the Basement, um, which Steve has talked about on one of my podcasts in the past. Um, so if you want to check that out, do a search on buildthescene.com for Steve Hawk and you hear him talk about his song. Um, hey, Brian. So I kind of mixed it. I gave you some normal questions and some off the wall questions in the first half. So I'm going to mix the second half too. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so Christina, Christina Santa Vica, who's the lead singer of um, the shadow event. Okay. Um, has hung out in the um, chat of the video quite often. And she comes up with some good questions. So I always point out when I'm asking one of hers because mine are off the wall and I don't want to get blamed for her off the wall questions. <laughs> so this one is, is a Christina question and it's, if you were going to be put into a cartoon series that already exists, which cartoon series would you be in and which one of those characters would, would actually play you? SpongeBob. That was quick. <laughs> He's, he's like my favorite actor on TV. <laughs> that, was, that was really quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, how'd the pineapple get under the sea? <laughs> it's just like one of those things we talked about. It just is. Suspended belief. <laughs> it's just there. And the other question I have is... It's Mr. Crab that owns the place that sells Krabby Patties, right? Krusty Crab, correct. Yeah. Is is it crab meat that's being served? I would assume so. That's kind of odd. <laughs> I just look at it like a crab cake. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, along those lines, not quite as off the wall. <laughs> if you were going to be acting in a documentary about a musician, which musician would you want to um, do an interpretation of? Hmm. Don't have to look like the person. Right. Just to know the whole story, you know, like, is that what yeah. you mean? Like, like uh, kind of like, um, like I would play part of that person. Yeah, right, Like machine gun, machine gun Kelly played um, Tommy Lee. In 
probably uh this might sound weird but Kurt Cobain I admired his song right I, I liked his music and I really don't know his whole story like the personal side behind everything that happened in his life yeah he was just I don't know it's it, it's amazing to me you know it was came from nothing you know and got to make everything out of music I just don't get how it could be that bad you know I still there there aren't many musicians that I remember the first time I heard them but Nirvana I remember yeah um, I was I was sitting on my parents front porch I was early teens maybe late teens with the next door neighbor um, grandson and he brought it over he's like listen to this and that was it <laughs> i was like yep i, I like this <laughs> yeah see i came from like when i was younger i grew up listening to a lot of just different punk rock and stuff like that so and then it kind of just changed to metal and thrash so when that sound came out i yeah it was something that grabbed me right through the whole seattle scene now like for me, the the album that that got me into rock was Destroyer by Kiss. Yeah, um, I have uncles who are not that much older than me. I have an uncle who's five years older than me, another one who's nine. So I spent a lot of time with them growing up, and that's what they were into. And that when that Destroyer tape went in, that was it. I was like, this is what I want to listen to, not that stuff my parents have been listening to, which was all the country that I was listening earlier. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I went from listening to like the Police and Michael Jackson, and then I heard the Misfits. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then, then leading into like Shout at the Devil, and you know, and then Metallica. Like Metallica was another one of those bands that kind of. That's life. that's another one that I I can pin down the first time that I was like, I, I like this. It was um, it was that, the Black that, Black that, album. Yeah, mine was Master of Puppets. Was the first. But that was the first Metallica song I ever heard and was just like, like just blown away. I was like, this is great. I didn't even realize I had music out before that. <laughs> well, that's, I was um, playing football in high school and we were working out. And one day somebody put the, put in a black album and it just played on loop. And for the whole summer, we worked out to Metallica <laughs> and that, and, it stuck with me after that. And then I went back and looked at the back catalog. And um, I will say though, I can't do St. Anger. I, yeah. That, that drum sound. <laughs> I kind of, um, yeah, I think it was after, it was actually before the black album. I started, not that I lost interest in them, but my style of music, interest in music sound was changing again. You know, like I just lost interest in that sound. Um, so I used to teach social studies and uh, two years ago I was flipping through the book and um, I found a picture of a person who looked exactly like my college roommate. And clearly it wasn't because the guy passed away in 1958. But my question is if I was flipping through a social studies book and I found Brian Genovese, how did you get in that book? <laughs> I'm sure it was something nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> Being shunned for something. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that question, to be honest with you. It's a hard one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to answer that. That's I, I, numerous times people have turned question, my questions around on me, and I'm like, um, um, I don't know. Be <laughs> for doing something stupid. <laughs> um, did you watch Metal Night for S for SOS? I didn't. I didn't. Uh, so I ended up talking to Utah um, in between the first two bands, and he said, "He goes, and now it's my turn to ask you questions." <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, I, I've known him. Wow, two thousand. It's the first year he was in Pennsylvania. It was early 2000s. Um, so it's been at least 20 years. But he, he did end up, I was, he's like, we don't have time for that. I was like, no, go ahead and ask me one. 
And he said, okay, if you're going to build a band from five musicians in the music scene, which is one of my questions, who would you pick? And I went, oh, they're all in this room. That's easy. <laughs> and, of course, the band members ate that up. Utah wasn't all that happy about it. <laughs> he was like, well, I guess you were Johnny on the spot. <laughs> yeah, kind of a shit question because the only it, – it, it's tough. I mean, because I know so many, I would love to play with all of them at any time. You know, like, mm-hmm. like there's not five that I would say I only want to play with these five guys. There's so many good musicians in this area. It's just such a hard area to get people to come. You know, like they're more interested in being cover bands. Like cover bands do great in Pittsburgh, but when you're playing original music, it's it's a tough draw, man. It's it's hard. I am. Um, one of the things, and, and it's been a while since, you know, I live about 50 minutes from the city. So it's been a while since I've gone to a show in the city. But the one thing I noticed was that, like, especially like on Carson Street, there are all those bars. So you kind of, they spread the, the crowd thin. and Yeah, but like back in... I don't know, in the early 2000s, late 90s. I mean, they were always packed, though. Every All those bars, every single one of them. There's 100 of them down there, but they'd all be packed. And there was the premier places to play, and it depended where you were playing, how many people were going to be there. Like Nick's Fat City back in the day. I mean, that place was just packed every night. You know, every night they were open, they were packed, no matter who was playing. And so those, that was always fun. And you had the racks and... You know, the the smiling moose. You know, they always get a good crowd. They always just have people in there. Or did. That's the first time the smiling moose came up on the show and it wasn't about the steps. <laughs> well, I can honestly say as a solo acoustic act, the steps don't bother me. <laughs> Every time it comes up, it's about the steps. <laughs> yeah, it is a bummer. Well, even back then, they, they had the stage down on the first floor, too. You know, people had to, like, squeeze past you to get to the bathroom, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about name a couple of your favorite venues? I won't make you pinpoint one, and I'm sure you have lots of them, but. Yeah, I mean, like, current ones are open. I, I mean, Moondogs is always a great place to play. Club Cafe is, is a, a really good room to play. Those are two places that I like. I like a lot, but. Uh... Lately, I've been playing at this place called Bloom Brew out in West Newton. It's just a great place. It's outside. It's right on the river. Great beer. They always have a great food truck there. It's just really relaxed. It's just a really cool atmosphere. It's a fun show. And plus, I get to play as long as I want. I play three, four-hour shows out there. <laughs> are, are you from the Mon Valley? No. No, I was, I've was. i been born and raised. I lived my entire life in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. What what other shows do you have coming up? And it feels so great to be able to ask that. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm playing the 14th out in Monongahela. I'll have it posted on my Facebook, you know, all the details of it. But I know it, sh- it starts at 7. And then the 21st, I'm playing at that Bloom Brew in West Newton. And that's right in the heart of West Newton, right behind the fire hall. And that's, that's 5. That's like 5 to 8. That's an early show. But always a good one. And then I'm playing there again in June. And then in July, uh, I think it's the first Saturday. I think it's the 10th, July 10th, right right across the street from here in South Park at the K-Dogs Rally. They're like a an MC and they're sponsoring and they're against their – they raise money for anti-bullying things. Okay. So they're yeah. having a party over in South Park. That, raise that, that, is, that is definitely something I can get behind, um, having yeah. – kids of my cool. own and teaching it's a very cool group yeah they're bikers that you know help kids with bullying um where can people find you to get a copy of your your music your cd uh well they can reach out to me on facebook um i'm signed the, that album i'm signed through uh super monkey recording company and you can go to i love and look under artists i'm under there you can order the cd there or you can even just hit me up on Facebook. I can mail them out too. It's the same, same process. Um, Super Monkey is is one of those people that 
you can kind of do the seven degrees of in, in oh, the yeah. scene. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody's been a part of that band or a part of that recording company. Well, that's Lou, who I was on his show last night, played in that band at one point. Yeah, and Rocky from uh, the from the Borstal Boys, and Matt from A Common Crown, oh. and thirty thousand other bands. Matt's another one of those guys you can do. Yeah, Matt. Matt actually, when I first started this show, handed me a big plastic bag full of CDs and said, "Here, play this music." <laughs> so he's he's a big part of how how this got off the that's off cool. the ground. <laughs> Very cool. That's a good story. Um, his band was the first one I ever designed a website for, which is what set all of this in motion. Cool. Um, yeah, good guy. Yeah, and he's he's he plays in like at least five different bands that I know of. I think I saw him post last night six. Let's see if I can do it. Common Crown, After the Fall, Borstal Boys, Super Monkey, um, Murano. Oh, I got five. <laughs> um. I wonder if he's counting Slant Six still, because they kind of—I think they're playing this summer, I so was, maybe. I was counting Slant Six and the five that I was talking about. All right, well, there's six. I wonder if those are the six he's counting right now. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, he's always busy. He's always working. I asked him one time how how he finds time to play in that many bands, and he just said, "I just like to play the drums." <laughs> That's pretty straightforward <laughs> answer. <laughs> Um, last question, but probably not, it could be easy or it may be really hard. <laughs> Can you pinpoint that moment when you realized that you wanted to be a, a musician? Oh yeah. It was the first time I ever saw a guitar. It was the very first time I saw a guitar. Like, uh, I've told this story before I told it on, uh, the grassroots show. It was, <laughs> I was nine or 10 years old and I was hanging out in my front yard and there was a kid, probably a teenager walking up the street with a guitar case. And I stopped him and asked him, I was like, is that a guitar in there? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm selling it because I got money down on a new guitar and I'm going to sell this to get my last payment to get my new guitar. And he, it was a, he opened it up and it was this bright blue flying V <laughs> court. It was a court guitar. And I always remember it. I I had that thing forever, and uh, I bought it off of him. And my mom was pissed, and <laughs> it was a waste of money, a waste of time. And I just sat in my room. He showed me the very first song I ever learned was "Rocky Like a Hurricane," and that's, that's some scorpions. Yeah, that same kid showed it to me. And do you know uh, Jeff Yackel? I do not. Well, he he was. Uh, is a very great guitar player and my sister knew him and and uh, he, he taught me crazy first i learned the whole way through the guitar solo and everything and i just never put it down and then my mom finally gave in and got me lessons bought me an amp. <laughs> <laughs> there's a probably her biggest mistake was the amp <laughs> <laughs> i went to kappa when i was in high school and we had a Every year you had to learn a new instrument. You had to have another instrument as a major for the year. And I loved playing all those things. I never got a chance to get good at it. You know, it was, and especially at the time, because I was young and kind of stupid and didn't appreciate the opportunity I was getting to taught these instruments. And I just did as, you know, as little as possible to pass. But <laughs> we'll I, I'm, I'm not laughing at you. I'll tell you another story. <laughs> on the water on pretty much every instrument I've ever touched. <laughs> so that's kind of like how um, computer programmers, everything, the first thing they learn how to do is how to make it say hello world. For you, it was how to play smoke on the water. <laughs> <laughs> Made it a point to learn. And just the chorus, not the whole song. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's why I laughed when you said you did the bare minimum. At part of my um, education major, this is probably another story I shouldn't tell. Um <laughs> I had to take an intro to children's music class and part of the class was a lab and we had to go in and learn how to play the piano. Well, I didn't want to learn how to play piano. So I sat there and watched my partner play the whole semester. And then they came off with, Oh, by the way, your final is you have to play a song 
on the piano. <laughs> so I crammed the night before the test <laughs> and I played this old man. I missed the one note and I got an A. <laughs> Can't play a single thing on the piano. <laughs> I could have learned. I just, I was too stubborn. <laughs> yeah. See, and that was the way it was for us too, but we had to learn. Every teacher had their song that you had to learn. And by the end of the semester, you had to be able to play that song. I know I said I was only going to ask you one more question. But if you today could talk to that boy who first saw that guitar, what would you tell him? Learn music theory. (laughs) (laughs) You think a little more serious. I I wish that I would have... uh... That, that's a weird ending. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, I, I like that was the bummer part of music. Like that was the hard part. That was the not fun part. So, you know, you learn it because I've been playing for ever, you know, over 30 years. So you, you do learn stuff over time, but there's so much more that I wish I knew, you know. I always was like, I know so many people that are, you know, hardcore theory guys that they know every note chord scale that there is. And I listen to them play and they just kind of, kind of sound boring. You know, like there's not a whole lot of feeling and I'm kind of the opposite. I just play with feeling and I don't have much theory or knowledge behind what I'm doing or why it sounds good. And I know if I did, I could do so much more. You know, like I was easy about it back in the day. And now it's like kind of brain. I, I'm going to, we're going to end on this note. One of my fifth graders every day at the end of the period says to me, there's always tomorrow to look forward to. Yeah. So that's a fifth grader that says that to you. Yeah. Good stuff, man. That's a so, good, that's good. So I'm going to pass that on to you and tell you, you still have time. You can, I know. You can start learning. I know I do. And I even took up lessons again a couple of years ago and then it got to, too hard to find the time for it and quit thinking oh, I'll get back to it again when things slow down. And it's been like five years. Hey, Brian, I want to thank you for hanging out with me. If I appreciate you playing my stuff too. I am. Um, I don't know if you saw this weekend, I did add it to the radio station too. Um, so if anyone would like to listen to it, not on the podcast, you can go to buildthescene.com slash radio and you can request it there as well. Website. I don't have an individual website. Uh, just Facebook. Oh, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. I have my personal page, my music page. It's at Brian Genevieve Music. And uh, I have YouTube. I have every one of my songs that I've ever played or written is on YouTube. And there's hundreds of songs on there, all video. So. And um, it's G N O V E S I. Correct. So <clears throat> make sure some people end up checking you out on Facebook and giving you some likes and, and uh, subscribing on Facebook. Facebook, subscribing on YouTube. See, I started out bad and ended bad. (laughs) (laughs) But it was awesome in the middle. That's right. (laughs) We're going to play some more of the best unsigned rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer. When you hear John, the American Hilljack Lane, you will know that this episode has ended. That does not mean that you need to jump off the radio station that you're listening to. Almost all of them are going to play unsigned music for you, including mega rock and 107.1 FM in St. Louis. They play a mixture of unsigned and signed. So make sure you hang out and support all of those stations. Also, if you're on buildascene.com slash radio, there are a list of sponsors going down the right hand side, including the noble hops band, um, 97, seven rocks show, the grassroots show, which we mentioned earlier. Um, the band jam, which is the, um, concert that, the grassroots show puts on every summer di records out of pittsburgh wolf's customs that's wolfscustoms.online um they do they customize instruments they do a thing called hollow flash which is this very colorful flashy it's really cool and i do a terrible job of describing it but <laughs> check them out at wolfscustoms.online um chris thunderwolf dotson does the hollow flash and then his wife raven they have the coolest names um does um, customize painting on the instruments. Um, so check that out. Oh, Rattleclack Entertainment and Endeavor After LLC. 
Endeavor After is a um, they do shirts and masks, business cards. They're a printing company um, located. I want to say it's like right where Robinson Township and Coriopolis meet. Um, so you know, go even if you're not going to listen to the radio station, which is my ultimate goal. Go there, click on those on those logos, and check out the sponsors. Um, show them some love for me. And uh, like we mentioned just a little bit ago, go to Brian's Facebook, facebook.com slash Brian Genovese Music, and uh, show him some love as well. This episode of the Pennsylvania Rock Show has ended, but be sure to subscribe to be introduced to more of the best on-sign rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer. Don't forget to rate and review the show, and we'll see you on the next episode.